The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I am joined by my co-host, Dave. How's it going, Dave? Doing good, buddy. How are you doing? Yeah, um, I gotta say, you, you <laughs> seem like... I believe you when you tell me you're you're good, and I'm glad right. you're in a good mood. I love having you when well, we get some happy banter. Yeah, but yeah. you seem a little labored right now. Is everything all right? Well, you know, I guess you know. I should have I should have answered with I'm old. You're old. I'm feeling the age. I'm not sure if you're feeling the age. We're gonna be you're gonna be 31 in two months. Oh, thank you for that. I'm gonna be 31 in like three months. So yeah, I've actually I've been having lower back pains for oh, like two days. Oh God, like that's that's a thing for you now. You're getting those? Appar- I don't know. Apparently, and it's uh, not fun. So you know, I've been popping uh, Advils and aspirins and uh, putting icy hot on my lower back. I probably so, gotta go get a warming pad or something. I dro- when I drove over to your house here, I put the seat warmers on, <laughs> even though it's like 94 degrees outside. Is the icy dulling the pain and the hot relaxing it away? Not really. I've never been a fan of icy hot. I think it's not doing its job. Well, I think it's a shit product, like, maybe. I, well, well, maybe, but like, I, 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 the icy feels good, and the hot is like horrifying. I don't know. When does this expire? <laughs> so maybe that might explain. No, it expires October of 2017. So I'm well within the well the window. Not well within. I don't know how those far long those things usually last. You might be on like the back end of this thing's shelf life. So I, I can't be on the well. Maybe who knows? Anyway. But, but yeah, I'm I'm feeling old. Oh I just you know I'm breaking down. Well, we we, we, we saw Star Star Trek, yesterday, Star Trek Beyond, yeah. And it was funny because like then leaving Sunset Place, there's a few stairs I had to navigate, and it, like all of a sudden like I felt this like kick in and spasm after like the long sitting period. I'm like, oh fuck. I'm <laughs> so, like I almost had to be like, dude, help me to my car. Is it? Oh man. I, I'm 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 feeling terrible for you. Are, are we talking like muscular pain? Is it like a bone thing? <laughs> is it bonitis? Is um, it bonitis? <laughs> such a random reference for Futurama. Is such an '80s guy? I forgot to cure my bonitis. <laughs> um, no, I think it's like muscular or whatever. But oh, uh, yeah, we're we're old farts. I, I I'll say this: uh-huh. a month ago, I would not have agreed with you. I right. would have said, "No, we're still young. My you know best years are ahead of me." But Something weird happened to me the other day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ever since I got the new car, I got the new like Sirius XM satellite radio, mm-hmm. and it, I love it. I'm, I'm probably going to yeah, keep the subscription because it's like it's the best thing ever you, that you, happened you, to me. You should. Yeah. And so, like, I'm listening to the blend, which is like a combination of like music from today, but also like music from earlier, and it's like a lot more adult contemporary type stuff. <laughs> I know. I can't believe those two words, adult contemporary, just came out of my mouth. Like, I, feel, ah. I feel like no matter where this story goes, like that right there is yeah. your old card. I'm sort of into Joni Mitchell right now. Like she really <laughs> speaks to me. So, but I told myself, look, you know, I don't want to just get addicted to serious. Like I should really keep track of the pop music of today. And so I just flipped over to the top 40 station in mm-hmm. our town. And I'm like, I'm just going to listen, you know, this whole drive to work. I'm just going to do nothing but listen to top 40 Is this music. Y100? Y100, yes. I think it's like in our town. Like we got like. <laughs> well, you, Dave, we, we have a little bit of like. Broadcasting on 600 megacycles. Uh, 
<laughs> Look, I know we're not like a nationally syndicated radio show, but you know, be respectful of the fact that some of our listeners are not from the local area. So we say Y100, they don't know what we're talking about. Okay, but you know, in our town, it makes it sound like it's like a small little radio station. Yes, the, the, the little, like, you know, 100-watt tower in our humble little burg. Yeah. Okay, yes, the giant top 40 radio station that covers Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach County. Is yes. that fine? Yes. Okay. Yes. There we go. So I went over to listen to that, and I don't know what happened, but everything I was listening to was unlistenable for me. Like, <laughs> every one of these songs, like, was just, it was just noise. It was just, it was crap. Mm-hmm. And at first, my first emotion was just displeasure, and then... I started getting angry at myself. Right. Because all I could think was, what have I become? I've become everything that I promised I wouldn't be. Because, like, when I was 25, 26, I was like, I'm never going to be the old guy that just hates on whatever the music of today is. Like, every music of every era has its own artistic brilliance, and I will appreciate it. And I'm going to be the kind of person that even when I'm in my 40s and 50s, I'm still going to appreciate top 40 music. Mm-hmm. And then I turn on the radio, work, 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 work. Oh, it, God. It's funny. You, you, you told me that or started singing me that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, like I had no idea what you're talking about, and then you played me Rihanna's work. Yeah, and um, it sounds bad. Yeah, it doesn't sound like anything appeasing. And I don't know what to do because, like, the younger generation loves this song. It went to number one, and I don't want to be the old guy. Yes, for many weeks. Well, also like the whole like whip Nene thing. That also I don't understand what the hell that is. That's that doesn't seem like a song. (laughs) Um, a lot of these songs don't seem like songs anymore. Even I I mean, maybe this is gonna be surely controversial and or, or. your, your, your house is going to be surrounded by uh, her agents. <laughs> but, you know, when I saw the video for uh, Beyonce's uh, formation, which the video was fine. My issue with it was the actual song, which didn't appear to be much of a song in song form. <laughs> there was just yeah. a lot of randomness and weird sounds and timing to it. Not much of a, t- a time signature. Definitely didn't seem to be 4-4 on that one, buddy. But... Um, <laughs> And I'm kind of, and it's like, well, what's going on here, man? I don't know, but no, I, I, well, first of all, I don't listen to FM radio anymore, anyway. Yeah, there is, they do have those like top forty hits on on Sirius. You can just do that, man. But, but I, I, I don't want to be this guy, David. Like it's I, too I st- late. I don't know. No. I, I want to be able to appreciate music from all. But eras. really, but do you actually really want to? Because what are you saying? Because you know, what are you saying? Oh, I want to be able to go to the concerts where all the thirteen-year-olds are, are going to. I want to be able to hang out and talk to them on my own. Well, I t- Is that what I, you're saying? I don't want to be the old guy. You want to be like a thirty-four-year-old guy without a daughter at a Taylor Swift concert? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Ew. No, what I'm saying, like, part of my work in what I do is I work in music. You know, I, I represent artists. I, I want to be on the cutting edge of music. I want to appreciate today's music. I don't like that I'm becoming old and I can't appreciate the stuff that's can, on the charts right now. I, I don't blame today's music. I blame myself. No, no, no. Can I give you the out for this? Okay. You say you work in music, so that's why you feel you need to do this? Sure. You just add one word. I work in good music. Oh, but I don't want to be that guy. It, it, like, it, it, bad music exists. No, I understand, but like, I don't want to be the guy that like makes a blanket judgment of all the music of this era. Like, because because like the studies have shown this. Like, the music that was prevalent from like when you were sixteen to twenty six, you're always going to think is the best music. And I don't want to be like biased by what was big during my coming of age years. Like, I, I don't want to be the person that can't appreciate today's music. 
any more than we would that any more than we like it when our parents say that the music that we like isn't good. Like I don't know what to do with myself. I'm becoming that guy. But there are certain objective standards. I you know I'm pretty sure if I'm I haven't heard anything recently that makes me th- that has risen to the level of making you think and like wow uh, as like Bob Dylan's The Times They Are a Changing <laughs> or in a, a Rolling Stones Gimme Shelter or anything like that. That's you know, a great I, song. I, I oh, what really, am I doing? God, you had the chance to see Bob Dylan in Tennessee and you didn't go. Eh. Oh, screw you, buddy. Bob Dylan's never done it for me. He just has him. Sorry. Oh, you're more of a Rebecca Black fan. That song did capture our imagination. But all that being said, at least I don't have lower back pain. <laughs> so, <you>. uh, <laughs> so uh, you can reach out to the Break the Business podcast uh, by emailing us, breakthebusiness at gmail.com. While you're there, um, if you have questions that you want us to answer on the show, whether it's music industry, indie music related, which is what we primarily focus on, or just pop culture related, um, that's where you send it. You want comments to give to us, or you have comments to give to us, I should say, or break the business yeah. at gmail.com. Uh-huh. Or, you know, if you have, have, have questions for us on uh, AARP discounts and yeah. uh, where to find them, where, where the best early bird specials are. And, oh, yeah. Um, Gotta get sensible meal early in, Ryan. Gotta get it you, in. You do. Like, you know, you, you, get it, you get it too late in the day. Like, you, yeah. just, you, you, feel, you feel bad in your stomach all yeah. day. And, yeah, exactly. We're old. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K A I R. Uh-huh. See, we're still on Twitter. Twitter's still hip, right? We're, although everybody's doing Snapchat now. That's the stupidest thing in the world. What is it? Don't be this guy, David. Rage no. against the dying of the light. We're not dead yet. No, rage against the machine, bro, which also is makes us old, technically. <laughs> exactly. All right, where can they find you on Twitter? This newfangled Twitter that the kids uh, are talking about. <laughs> At MetalDave85. By the way, I find it hilarious that you're sticking to the format on the board. Like we, we had a conversation. Normally this was, would go before the conversation, but you're like, no, 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 no. I have to follow our list of things. Well, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm hitting through the main points here. Uh, you go to facebook.com slash break the business. You want to find us on Facebook. Uh, please rate review and subscribe to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, those subscriptions are nice. Cause it just gets the episode right to you. You don't have to find it every Sunday. Um, coming up way later in the show, towards the end of the show, uh, we got, uh, coverage on san diego comic-con oh yeah and we're gonna talk about star trek beyond because mm-hmm. david and i we did a field trip together i finally got you to do a show field trip after all this time you're always kind of like that's so me yeah you've just captured me i don't even need to be here like y- you could do the whole show just you talking as you and then just going me 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 and that's basically you and me yeah, yeah. And but and before that, we have uh, a great guest coming in yeah, i great guest she's fantastic she's yeah. the publishing uh, operations coordinator for Song Trust, uh, Julia Pernicone. She's also a, a singer, songwriter, artist, manager. She's really cool. And I talked to her earlier, super knowledgeable. Well, I, I hope mean, so. I, yes. I, I hope that we can kind of just get her in to talk about all kinds of things with the music industry. She has a she has a music business degree from NYU, a fantastic choice in schools. Probably the only better choice would be the University of Miami. Um, You're so just like... A shill for yeah. my, my schools I've went to. Yeah. Well, she did have me at NYU, but yeah, music business degree from Steinhardt School at NYU, which is a fantastic music business program. So she knows her stuff. She's knowledgeable. We're going to have her on in the next segment. And what she's going to be primarily talking to us about is publishing administrators. Mm-hmm. And I think before we get her in here, it's kind of good to just give the listeners kind of a, a crash course in what publishing administrators do and why indie artists need them. Mm-hmm. And then we'll bring in Julia, and then we'll talk Star Trek and Comic-Con. It's going to be, oh, we're going to have fun today. We are going to have fun. It's going to be good. I mean, other than your lower back pain, like everything about today is going to be great for you. 
I guess. <laughs> well, it's, I'll just say it could be worse because we could be in the L.A. wildfires right now, but I, I liked that. Well, it would actually be good for your back. You know, get yeah, that yeah. Have right you seen there. the pictures out there? Is it bad? Of the sky? It's just like this, uh, it, this orange, just like in, in, in like the smoke covering anything. It's really cool. Your yeah. nieces are there, right? Yeah, in San Diego. Yeah. Is that near where kind of the wildfires are? I don't really oh, yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, I don't really know California that well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you should. We're all moving. Oh, yeah. All your, t- your entire family is out there right now. They are. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's your brother's. It's uh, one of your brother's birthday, I think, today or yesterday. What's your current health status right now? Like, is your back all right? Why? Well, no, I'm just thinking, like, you know, I see you kind of shifting in the chair. I actually, well, because I actually put you in my office chair. Yes, yeah, so now, now I've, got, chair. I've, got a, I've got a swivelly chair, so I feel like I'm just going to swivel it since so I'm swiveling the chair. You can't see me, but I'm swiveling the chair. Is this annoying you? No, I just want to make sure you're okay. Yeah. All right. Publishing administrators. So. <laughs> What a lot of indie artists who have who write their own songs, and by the way, if you're an indie artist who doesn't write their own songs, get on that because all the stuff that we talk about on this show about getting your career moved forward as an indie artist and the stuff we write about in the Break the Business book, it don't work unless you write your own songs. <laughs> now I'm kind of hoping someone's yelling at you, you bastard, I can't write. I can play music like a freaking champ, but I can't write, you son of a bitch. Well... But that doesn't mean there isn't a career in music out there for you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a really good musician, guitar player, like you can get plenty of work as a session musician, uh, as a touring musician, playing in you know different bands. Like, but if you're trying to become an independent artist entrepreneur, the kind of folks that we're encouraging on this podcast, you really need to be able to write your own songs because the song, the the revenue that comes from your song copyrights is just too big of a stream to not take advantage of and move your career forward. So how do you get that money? Well, if you're getting music played on Spotify, if you're Mm -hmm. getting your songs played on the radio, if you're getting them in movies and TV shows or all these different places where your music can be played, how do you collect that money? You know, you can't just knock on every person's, you know, you can't knock on the door of every bar in America and say, Hey, I I heard you played my song once on a jukebox. Give me a nickel, please. (laughs) Um, and if your music's on Spotify, like how do you chase those dollars? And the way you do it is you hire a publishing administrator. Um, these people are great. Uh, they, they make sure you get your money collected. Um, they also help you register your songs with, uh, in other countries to make sure you get your international collections done. They help you affiliate with a performance rights organization such as ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, so that when your song is performed in public, like on the radio mm-hmm. or in a bar or something, you get your royalties and they'll collect it for you through those PROs. Um, and they also collect the synchronization fees and those royalties when your songs are played on television, things like that. And here's the best part. For all this fantastic work they do for you, right? pretty cheap. Ah. They only want about usually 10 to 15 percent not bad it's not bad at all especially when you consider what the old option was because publishing administrators are kind of a new thing Mm -hmm. and they're a product of the internet age and they allow every artist to be able to get the money that they're they're deserving you know from their songs writing it's my money and i want it now exactly very jg wentworth you think jg wentworth's a thing outside of miami like if you make that reference are people in kansas getting that joke is that wait is that not national i don't know i'm asking you i don't know but Email us, breakthebusiness at gmail.com. Do you have J.G. Wentworth? And also, do you have the general? I know. Oh, the general, the insurance company. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For a great Email little rate, us. you can get on or you can get online, go to the, the general, general save, save some time. time. <laughs> I feel like the general's national because they made a joke about the general and family guy once. Anyway, you're throwing me <laughs> off topic. Um, so, but, well, okay. So the old option, that's, that's yes. where I was. 
The old Jay Cronian options. Yes, the old option for publishing administration before this these kind of companies came along, like TuneCore and Song Trust, was to get a co-publishing deal, mm-hmm. where you get one of these music industry fat cat guys at a major publishing company right. that would say, hey, I'm going to do all this collection for you. you know, I'm going to make sure you get your money from all the different sources, but I'm going to want... 50% of the copyright Ooh. in your song. You know, that's, so that's a lot. That is a lot. And and you know, it's one thing to give up a ro- you know, it's basically pay a publishing administrator a royalty for doing this work for you. It's completely a different thing to give up half of your copyright to a company to do these things for you. And so, I'm glad that these publishing administrators exist. They fill a very important need. And can do it for a lot cheaper than a traditional co-publisher can. And so that makes me very glad that they're here. Uh, quick piece of advice when it comes to publishing administrators. Um, you got to be really choosy about the one that you pick. You want to read the fine print mm-hmm. and make sure that you're not taking one that takes exclusive rights from you. So, for example, right. there are some publishing administrators that in exchange for working with them, they're going to want exclusive rights over finding sync placements for you. So a sync placement, like getting your song on a TV show or in a movie, they're going to want to say, I'm the only people who can, I'm the only company that can find those. Right, right. I'm I'm the only one that can shop it around. Right. And that's a problem because the kind of companies that want you to sign over those rights, they tend not to be very good at doing that. Um, Because, you know, they're they're traditional publishing administrators. They're, They're more good at collecting stuff than they are at going and finding opportunities for you. Right, they don't want anyone else to do the work because they can probably succeed. Exactly. And when it comes to finding sync placements, you really want to work with the companies that that's all they do. Companies like Jingle Punks. Mm-hmm. Companies like Taxi. Mary Jennings, uh, like, lauded Jingle Punks. Swears by Jingle Punks. She loves them, yeah. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm always sort of remiss to kind of advocate specific companies on this show, but, you know, if Mary Jennings thinks something's a good idea, I tend to listen to her. Mm. But yeah, uh, you know, Jingle Punks is a great example of what are called song pluggers. Like these are people that go out and find sync placements for your music. And so, but you can't work with a company like Jingle Punks if you've given your exclusive sync rights to one of these publishing administrators. So, um, but in response to that, the company we're having on next, or or, or the representative from the company we're having on next, uh, Julia Pernicone from Song Trust. Mm -hmm. Song Trust does not require you to give up your exclusive Ah, sync rights. In fact, Song Trust... Like they don't want to do that at all. They they want to collect the money, but you know they, they want you to go to somebody else to actually go find these opportunities for you. Mm-hmm. And so that might make Song Trust a strong option in that respect. So a lot of cool things that publishing administrators can do for you. And oh yeah, sorry, Yetta. Well, is their slogan Song Trust, the trust of songs you can trust? Song Trust, <laughs> trust See, us with your songs. Song Trust. Oh, Trust. I thought there was more. No, I think that was the only... <laughs> there's only so many orders of song, things you can do with two words. Well, I figure now that we've built this... I mean, that was pretty strong. I think that's a good slogan. And frankly, now that we've built this relationship with Julia, maybe we can pitch it to her. Oh, yeah. yeah. We can have them publish... I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Or no, we, we take it to Jingle Punks. Hey, listen, could you... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Have them, and, then, and then Song Trust will collect the, the millions of dollars you'll make from that slogan. Yes. Don't be a punk with your jingle. Come to Jingle Punks. Man, it works for everything. We'll punk the other jingles right out of their punky money. So, (laughs) In closing, if you're one of these artists who's written a lot of songs and you don't have a publishing administrator yet, get on that because you're leaving money on the table. 
you know, the, your song could already be being played on all these different places. It could be on Spotify right now. It could be being played by other artists at concerts right now. And until you actually go find somebody to chase down these dollars for mm-hmm. you, they're just going to be out in the ether. So get, right. get your hands on one of these, uh, <laughs> these I, publishing administrators right away. I really would love to shoot a commercial with you. Basically, the J.G. Wentworth of songs. Your song can be playing right now on the radio. You don't even know about it. Your family hasn't called you. No one is letting you know that you're on Top 40 Radio and you're not getting paid. Call me today. It's my song, Publishing Royalties, and I want them now. Again, I wonder if J.G. Wentworth is still a thing in other cities. Anyway, we got Julia Pernicone coming up next. Stick around to the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. She is the publishing operations coordinator for the publishing administration company Song Trust, which provides publishing asset performance rights and digital licensing management services for artists. She has a degree in music business from NYU and has worked at the Orchard, Wind Up Songs, and Blue Note Entertainment Group. She is also a songwriter, recording artist, and artist manager. Ladies and gentlemen, Julia Pernicone is on the Break the Business podcast. Hey, Julia, thanks for being on with us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm particularly thrilled to have an NYU grad on the show. Now we got two NYU people here. Uh, Go Violets, go Bobcats, go go whatever they call us this week. (laughs) Although you have a much cooler uh, degree from NYU than I do. You know, I wouldn't say so. Well, I don't know. Like, <laughs> if I'm at a cocktail party and I say, oh, what was your NYU degree? Law. Okay, Snore, another you know, lawyer in this world. What's your degree? Music, business. Whoa, all right. You know, this is somebody I want to be friends with. <laughs> you know, super cool, clued into the music industry person. <laughs> yeah. So you wear many hats. You're a recording artist, songwriter, manager. Um, but the reason why I'm thrilled to have you on the show is what you do with Song Trust. Uh, you're the publishing operations coordinator over there. And so Song Trust, at the risk of grossly oversimplifying what you guys do, you're a music publishing administrator. What is that and what sort of services do you provide for artists? Sure. So um, we collect publishing royalties globally by registering songs um, with uh, performing rights organizations and mechanical collection societies worldwide. So um, we're collecting royalties generated on the composition side, um, which is separate from the master, um, on behalf of songwriters, independent songwriters who uh, don't have a more traditional music publishing deal. I think that's kind of an important distinction there. Can you walk the artist through sort of the difference between the composition copyright and this master copyright that you speak of? Yes, absolutely. So when you listen to a song, you listen to a recording of the song, there are two copyrights there, um, the master and the composition. The master represents the master recording, the actual recording that was bounced down in the studio to an MP3 or whatever. Um, The composition represents the songwriting itself, the underlying music and lyrics. Um, So a master is usually owned by a record label or 
uh, maybe the producer uh, or the studio owner who recorded the song or the artists themselves, you know, depending on what kind of uh, agreements and uh, other representation they have. And sure. then the composition is owned by the songwriters and the publishers. So as a songwriter, you actually are your own publisher until you sign a publishing deal. <laughs> um, so that is what we're handling here. So when you talk about collecting all these, all this money from all these different sources from potentially all over the world with respect to songwriting uh, copyrights, much of what you do bears some similarity, it sounds like, to the services that an artist can receive from a traditional co-publishing deal, uh, a kind of deal where a songwriter would sign over some of their publishing rights in their songs to a company that would administer these rights. Uh, how does a publishing deal like what's uh, differ from what like? Or sorry, let me let me rephrase. How does a publishing administration deal like what Song Trust offers differ from a co-publishing deal? Sure. So, um, a co-publisher, you're basically entering into an agreement to to co-publish the songs, publish them together. So your co-publisher would take ownership over a percentage of your copyright. I guess a, a kind of typical agreement would be 50-50. So an another kind of weird distinction um, when it comes to a composition, there is a writer's share and a publisher's share split 50-50 or 100% on the writer's side, 100% on the publisher's side, however, is most uh, simple to for you to think about it. Um, so the a very traditional co-publishing deal, the co-publisher, your publishing company, would have would take 50% ownership over uh, on the publisher's share, and the other half of the publisher's share would be yours. Um, so the co-publisher would have creative control um, and an interest in your composition. Uh, they would provide the administrative services similar to what Songtrust provides, as well as usually some creative services, um, such as pitching the songs to artists to cut or pitching, pitching the songs um, for sync and placement in film and television and advertising. Um, and usually a co-publishing deal uh, accompanies uh, an advance. So the, the publisher will pay you a sum of money up front to take that ownership in your compositions and do, you know, provide all the services they provide. Um, and then that amount of money would have to be recouped by the publisher before they pay any royalties out to you. So in terms of comparison and contrast here, what are some of the advantages for an artist in doing publishing administration, like with SongTrust, over co-publishing? Keep in mind that publish, you know, these kind of companies like yours are sort of the new kid on the block, and this is sort of a, a new model. Uh, what are the advantages to the artist's by going with it, this model? Absolutely. So um, a, a publishing administration deal, we still handle all the administrative aspects, such as regis registering the songs and collecting the royalties. Um, while we don't provide any of the creative services or an advance payment, um, we also don't take any ownership over your copyrights. So um, you have complete creative control. You can use your compositions as you see fit in any way you'd like and all we do is take a commission on the royalties that we collect on your behalf um, so uh, one of the main advantages is retaining that creative control um, and another is that you're kind of free to procure creative opportunities as you see fit and on your own um, you're not kind of relying on one company or one person to 
to be looking for those types of opportunities. You know, you're free to to go out and, and find different opportunities for your songs to be used on your own. So for the songwriters who I, I guess value more freedom and flexibility, um, value wanting to keep their own rights over their songwriting, and just want to keep more of their dollars by not having to cut as much of the pie to somebody else, uh, those are the people that would probably want to gravitate more towards publishing administration as opposed to co-publishing. Exactly. And also, um, Songtress in particular is is really a great option for songwriters who are kind of just getting started and um, have their music out there, whether they've released it themselves or other artists have cut their songs. And they're, you know, it's gaining traction. Stream, it's, you know, there are streams, sales, you know, the song might, you know, maybe has made it to radio, but the writer isn't quite ready to make the kind of commitment of signing a co-publishing deal. Um, but there's still money being generated. So uh, a publishing administration deal with a service like us, um, specifically because our term is so short, we have a one-year term, uh, we'll make sure that that writer is collecting everything that's owed to them as it's being generated um, without missing out on anything. So a complaint I often get from songwriters, uh, Julia, is that uh, all of the different rights that are involved with writing a song and having a copyright over that song can be really confusing. You got mechanical rights, performance rights, etc. Um, when trying to navigate all of these things and make sure you know you get all of the the money and opportunities entitled to you, uh, do you see common mistakes made by songwriters um, with regard to managing these rights? Uh, situations where artists tend to leave money and opportunities on the table. Yeah, I think the biggest mistake is that they they leave it all on the table. They don't know <laughs> that it exists. Um, I actually just came from speaking with an artist uh, who has a label but not a publisher, and he didn't even know that what his label is paying him is not everything that he's owed. Oh, he's only <laughs> um, getting like half the equation because he's only getting the stuff on the master's side, on exactly. the sound recording side. Exactly. So a lot of um, songwriters, especially who are artists, don't realize that they're also songwriters. Um, a lot of maybe, you know, producers, especially electronic producers who are, you know, making beats or, uh, you know, things like that. They don't realize that they're actually composing songs. Um, and so they don't realize that they have those rights at all. Um, and then, you know, a lot of songwriters think that a more traditional co-publishing deal is kind of the end-all be-all and they don't want to hear it at all unless they've got that big advance check in front of them with a you know major publisher. Sure. <laughs> um, one big potential income stream where artists are always telling me they want to do more, have more success is in the realm of sync licensing, uh, getting your songs into things like TV shows, movies, uh, commercials. And artists are frequently complaining to me about wanting to get into this realm, but that it's just so hard to get started to find those opportunities. Uh, going by your experience uh, in publishing administration as well as your work as a, a manager or songwriter, um, do you have any tips for the artists out there and how to find and exploit these sync opportunities for their songs? Sure. Um, well, coming from a publishing admin perspective, before you find any of those opportunities, you know, make sure your songs are registered. There you <laughs> make go. sure you're affiliated <laughs> with the PRO, make sure your songs are there so that once they are in that, you know, film or on that television show, on that commercial, you know, they're, they're, the money that is owed to you is going to get to you. Um, and a lot of times, actually, uh, 
you know, TV networks or music licensing com companies, they're not even going to bother placing your music if they don't have that type of information. They want to know that they're doing everything legally and, you know, making sure that they, they pay the right person. Um, so that's, that's number one. Um, and there are, it, it is difficult to get into um, if you don't have someone who's made a lot of relationships with music supervisors or people who place music in uh, film, television, advertising, video games. Um, but there are a lot of services out there that independent writers and artists can use. Um, you know, Taxi is a pretty big one among independent artists. Um, Music Clout has a, a lot of different opportunities where you can kind of pitch songs directly to um, music supervisors who are working on different projects. Um, there's another service called Broad Jam. There are a lot of different resources out there um, that bring uh, briefs to independent artists and briefs is just, you know, here's the scene and this is the type of song we're looking for and you can pitch it that way. Oh, cool. Um, uh, so for the artists who are listening out there who are interested in finding out more about Song Trust, uh, how can they find out more about you guys? Where can they go? Sure. So our website is www.songtrust.com. Uh, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash songtrust, Twitter at songtrust. We have an Instagram at songtrust. <laughs> uh, we try to be super active on social media. We also have a um, music publishing crash course um, that we like to have people sign up to. It's just five days of five emails giving you kind of an uh, well, uh, overarching view of what music publishing is. Um, and we have links to that on our on our website and also our blog, blog.songtrust.com. Um, so lots of lots of ways to find us and get a little more information. Well, um, and so now, if for no other reason that you just seem, I shouldn't even seem say seem are super knowledgeable about all this stuff. You've, 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 you've nailed all my crazy questions. Uh, kudos to NYU for the uh, ed educating you so well. Um, I imagine there are some going to be people out there who want to continue this conversation with you, uh, maybe find you on social media. Where in the world can we find uh, Julia Perico? Perico? So I'm on, I'm on Twitter at Hey, I'm Julia. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Feel free to tweet at me. I would love to talk to you. Uh, cool. Um, and before we let you go, and I think we're going to want to have you on more often just to benefit more from your knowledge. Uh, do you have any last tips to share with the indie artists listening out there? It can be in the realm of publishing or otherwise. We know you do a whole lot of things and wear a bunch of different hats, and we'd love to benefit from your experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, my big piece of advice would be to do your homework. Do your research. Don't rely on other people to you know, tell you how to make decisions or tell you how to move forward in your career. Of course, you know, you should take advice from people and learn from people as much as you can, but, you know, don't, don't let anybody sign your rights away from you without you knowing what they are. Um, so it's really important. There are so many resources out there. Learn as much as you can about the music business, learn what your rights are, um, and just kind of take control of your career. Don't let other people take control of it for you. Julia, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I've had a great time. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to reach out to us, shoot us an email at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Thanks for listening. 
Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to Julia Pernicone, the Publishing Operations Coordinator for SongTrust, for joining us in the previous segment. You can follow her on Twitter at HeyImJulia, and you can find out more about SongTrust and the education programs they offer for artists by visiting www.songtrust.com. She was so nice and so friendly and mm-hmm. so knowledgeable. Uh, we're definitely going to have her on again. That was awesome. Nice. So, um... You have told me that you want to talk about Comic-Con. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I've only just seen a few tweets about it here and there, but it seems like you've been a lot more locked well, in. Well, we are uh, recording this from the show floor at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, can't you tell? Like, it's, you know, we, it's, we it's have, bustling right now. There's, we guys, have actually, keep it down. We're trying to do a show We've actually locked out Hall H. Oh, is that right? You don't know what Hall H is, do you? That's like the one where they do the big announcements, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess you, you were very, you weren't playing along. You, so oh my God. It's Clark Gregg and Chris Pratt. And hey guys, look, I know you want to be on the show right now, but we kind of have a packed schedule. Like you're just going to have to try again next year. Yeah. God, Chris these, Hardwick. Bye. Yeah. These guys just, yeah. Yeah, they won't leave us alone. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. But no, yeah. So a lot of, a lot of cool stuff coming out of Comic-Con this year. Um, big things, big things, Ryan. Big, big news. things. Big news. Lots of news. Lots of news. Um... What is there? What is there? Is there anything involving comics or movies? I don't think so. Kind of a quiet year? Yeah. Yeah, not much? I think one guy bought a figure, like an action figure. Well, like one of the, like, Superman, Batman, or like one of the less celebrated characters? I think it was a piece of pizza from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's solid. Anybody dress up as anything? Why why would they do that? That's stupid. That's true. Anyway. No, no, okay. Okay, that's that bit. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so that's, let's see. That's that bit. So, did, uh, so the, uh, the new trailer for uh, Kong Skull Island debuted. That looked really good, dude. I didn't see that one. Like, do we need another one of those? What do you mean another one of those? Well, like, I mean, it's King Kong, and then we did King Kong, and then we did King Kong with Jack Black, and then... Well, those all, well you missed the King Kong with Jeff Bridges from like 1976, 78. There was another King Kong. What do you think the, the Universal ride was based off of? I assume the like 1930s one. Why was it in San Francisco then? I didn't really read that much into it. Yeah, okay. Well, that, that's <laughs> well, your, your your lack of knowledge. No, so it looks cool. It looks like from the way it is, and like there's Huey helicopters. It looks like I'm not, maybe this is like a 70s or 80s sort of thing. Yeah. That's that, that should be pretty cool. Samuel L. Jackson's in it. John Goodman, Brie Larson, Adrian Brody. No, he can't be Adrian Brody. He's in the other. One. He was in the he was in the Jack Black one. Yeah. Maybe he was in Wait, did I too. see? No, who who am I, who was I thinking of then? <laughs> who who you want me to tell you who, who you were thinking of? Yeah, yeah, that's gonna work. Whatever, it's, just, well, it's, a, it's a white guy. May, maybe he's in both movies, kind of like how Jeff Goldblum was in you know the like multiple Jurassic Parks, even though the other characters changed around him. I guess, but then like the timeline would seem weird if it goes from nineteen like thirty three to Vietnam. That's fair. But you're excited for this. Oh, I'm excited. It looks really cool. Uh, Sam Jackson looks like he's going to give like a really great speech on man versus beast in nature, which we'll see how that goes, because last time he did that, a shark ate him. That's true. <laughs> um, so we're not going to fight anymore. Tom Hiddleston. There we go. Yeah. Tom Hiddleston. I can't believe I, oh, yeah, I can't People confuse confused those two all the time. Adrian Brody and Tom Hiddleston. Well, you know, okay. Hiddleston. He was in The Pianist, right? That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Uh, Corey, won the Oscar. Corey Hawkins is in it, actually. Uh, Jason Mitchell. He's also in it. That's pretty interesting. So stack cast. That's good. Well, that's funny. Corey Hawkins played Dr. Dre and Jason Mitchell was Easy E and Straight Out of Compton. Did so this could be maybe this is a prequel to Straight Out of Compton? 
Yeah, no, I, I can definitely see how the two would transition into each other. They have this this horrible traumatic experience in this far off like South Pacific island yeah. with ancient monsters. Yeah, and then like and then the cops start beating up on them in LA and they're like, I thought I was past this. Yeah, it's like, oh brother, what a day, guys. Oh jeez, Dre, can it get any worse? Yeah. There we go. What did you like like the Jack Black King Kong? I did. You did? Yeah, I thought it was it was it was all right. I mean, you know, it. Um, I, well, I'm trying to think. Of the last time I even saw it front to back, um, but yeah, it was it was it was, it was fine. I, mm. I I liked it. Mm. I mean, the the insect scene and in that that uh, the, in that the, the gorge down there that, that freaked me the fuck out. Oh my out. god, yeah, I'm st- I still like s- see that scene sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's frightening. Oof. And anyway. Andy Circus think got a really raw deal there. He didn't. The, the other guys got killed quickly. That's right. That I mean, he, he I mean, yeah, that thing. Oof. I know I just did hand gestures of insects killing him, but none of yeah. that comes up on a podcast. Well, it's like those like the slug things that were like attaching to him, like one that went on his head. I mean, I guess maybe he's oh terrible. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but you're probably like your niece probably like uh, really likes it. She's like, oh, that's so that, that's child's play, you wimp. Why she's like tough on her? Well, yeah, cause she knows who Wicked is. She knows who oh, uh, she's Jack. So... She knows who Jack O'Halloran is from last uh, episode. <laughs> I don't think you know, that's true. Anyway, what I think what, it's very true. So anyway, yeah, yeah, Kong Skull Island. That looks really, really cool. Um, well, I, I just, I, I just gotta see what the scale is because then people have been talking. Okay, they're going to do a uh, Godzilla versus King Kong, like they did back in the '60s, right? Right. But the scale of the new Godzilla versus King Kong mm-hmm. from you know the Universal, you know the the Peter Jackson one, there's no competition. Right. Godzilla would just be like. Just step on him. Well, they're going to have a line of dialogue about that. Like, you know, oh, no, we should have never used that, you know, gigantic ray on King Kong. Now they're of equal size and strength. You're gonna have, like, and then the they'll presser, do the rest of the movie. You're going to have the presser fr- Frank or something. It's like, well, I should never use the, the, the regulator that's right. on Kong. And, that, and that's how they're going to explain yeah. that. And then, and then we'll get the two of them fighting. Yes. With Ken Watanabe. Let them fight. Then they're going to be like, God damn it, Ken. <laughs> Millions are going to die, you know. You said the same thing about Superman and Zod. Look what happened there. <laughs> That's not the solution to everything, Ken. <laughs> um, his name's Ken. It's like, it's like these, you know, the, these two kids are like trying to figure out how to like, you know, cut a slice of cake. Let them fight. No, Ken, they're children. We can just talk to them. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, next we have... Uh, this Break the Business Podcast, your source for Ken Watanabe jokes. Anyway, what else we got? Comic-Con. Fake Rush. Oh, cool. Um... Remember from that? Yes, yes, indeed. All right, there was a trailer for Justice League. So it was the first Justice League trailer, Mm -hmm. which, um, you know, it it looks all right. But then again, I thought the trailer for Batman vs. Superman looked all right. And then, you know, Zack Snyder said, ha ha. It did seem like I did see the the Justice League trailer, and it did seem a little more lighthearted. I guess. Like, I I feel like maybe because now, maybe because in the trailer. You know, there's no Superman in that trailer, you know, because Superman is notoriously the most dark character in the DC universe. <laughs> the man who gets power drive from pure sunlight. <laughs> a real downer. Well, I hate what they've done to him. They made Kevin Costner like, why are you going to say people? Fuck him. Who gives a crap? Oh, you have powers? I just, no. use, it, use it to win $1,000 a hole in golf. It's, it's, it's something that... Marvel has understood a lot more than DC. Oh, yeah, yeah, people yeah. want to have a good time. Like, there's, you know, it doesn't need to be so dark and, you know, brooding. Well, we like, talked about it. it was know, Bat- people want to smile at the movies. It was Bat murder versus Super murder. Exactly. It's they're, they're just killing each other. They're just killing people wantonly. 
Yes, indeed. you know. So I mean, it was. I mean, it was interesting. You got to see what's his face, uh, that dude from Game of Thrones as Aquaman. That could be pretty interesting. Um, Cyborg was there, but they didn't really do much with him. Yeah. Obviously, Wonder Woman. We already, you know, we met her. Um, the Flash, which is weird because people are like, well, they already have the Flash. Yeah, like why can't Grant Gustin show up to this? And it's, it's a pretty good show. Yeah. Like, why not just have him? But no, they're going to have two Flashes, apparently. I guess it would be too weird because, like, then you'd have to, like, sort of unify the storyline from the with the TV show and the movie, yeah, and that might be too it. hard to do. And People have retconned stuff before. That's true. Um, but speaking of that, then, uh, the Wonder Woman trailer came out. Yeah. Now, that looks good. That does look good. That looks good. And um, the time period it's in is that original, like, World War One time period. Yeah. Which looks pretty cool. Wonder um, Woman. Chris Pine's in it. It is you can definitely tell it's going to be like a major like you know we are women you know hear us roar, uh, like feminism uh, movie and everything. Well, Which it took them long enough to make this damn movie. You'd think so, yeah. Um, but it, it, it but it looks good. It it that looks good. But again, I'm you know we'll see. This whole Warner Brothers DC stuff has been really suspect. And but af- after Batman vs Superman, there was a lot of shakeups at the studio and rejiggering of people who's in charge of what. So hopefully some stuff can get solved. Well, you know, here's what gives me optimism. Like our memories are short on this, or at least it tends to be like Marvel didn't get it right at the beginning either. Right. You know, they, you know, they put out a few stinkers like Punisher and, you know, the incredible, like the first Hulk, which was just Hulk, the Angley Hulk. Yeah. yeah, that was Like it took them a while to kind of figure out, you know, how to get the Avengers storyline off the ground, the kind of movies people want to see. And then Iron Man two wasn't even that good. Yeah, but I mean, by, but by then they had sort of, you know, they gotten the, their momentum. And so hmm. let's give DC a chance to figure out what they're going to do. And I think we might be happy with some of these other movies that are coming out. Didn't we already, didn't, didn't they already uh, burn through those tokens with Joel Schumacher? <laughs> we don't count any of those. Nor do we count, you know, the old Superman movies that like John Ratzenberger <laughs> talks about last week. Um, you know. Whoa, buddy. Whoa! You <laughs> don't want to summon too, him now in theaters. Yeah. Um, hey, I, hey, don't, don't, don't. Sorry, try to do sorry. It. That's your, it's your, your Ratzenberger. That's yeah. fair. All right. So I'm. So I, I'm, I'm also excited for those. Yes. And speaking of uh, female superheroes, it was announced Brie Larson will be Captain Marvel. I think that's cool. That's. Gonna I be always really mix cool. her up with Allison Brie, but. I'll, you know, I'll. I'll I'm even, I'm just gonna give you a hint right now because you won't even remember. I'm gonna have to do an Allison Brie Larson as for Dave's as yet untitled game show, and he won't remember. That's true. So, Allison Brie Larson. Yeah, but I I I, I saw that. I mean, I'm glad that we're getting some female superheroine movies. You can where definitely the t- women actually get to lead the movie. Oh yeah, you can definitely tell by the way that Allison Brie and Brie Larson are uh, Monty's favorite uh, female characters. You know, Monty from the uh, Rescue Rangers. Because his name was Monterey Jack. And what did he like? Cheese. Yes. Wow. So Brie, uh, cheese, yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm happy that I figured that one out. <laughs> Remember when we said in the first segment we're old? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, it's a good theme song, Rescue Rangers. Go listen to that, folks. Chippendales, Rescue Rangers. That's the one. Yeah. Good yeah, show. It's got some good chord progressions in it. Anyway, so <laughs> okay. it does. So Brie Larson is Captain Marvel. That's, that's going to look pretty cool, but that won't be around for another like two, three years, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to be pretty interesting, actually, because I was wondering how they're going to go with it, because I think right now the current iteration of Captain Marvel in the comics, 
like just like right now the current storyline you know like how they've they've changed a lot of things like you know the black spider-man and just all sorts of different re, uh, you know reimagining yeah. characters the current captain marvel is a teenage muslim girl which is really cool mm-hmm. and i it was almost i almost I was kind of wondering like oh man actually it'd be cooler think if they did that as a way to really empower well, well, no, no, no. Obviously, you get, like, you, no, you got to sort of drag Hollywood kicking and screaming into every single like social step. Although it would be great to hear Donald Trump's thoughts on the uh, Captain Marvel as a teenage Muslim girl. I'm sure he's got many tweets already ready to hit send on. Oh my God, <laughs> so many progressive things to say. Um, <laughs> this is it's it's a huge huge opportunity. Just really happy for them. Have no complaints. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it great that we're living in the year 1953? Oh, my God. The technology of 1953. It's amazing, dude. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so Brie is Captain Marvel. Um, let's say, speaking of us being old, uh, do you remember the television show on Nickelodeon, Legends of the Hidden Temple? I do. That was one of my favorite TV shows. It was a competition up. game show, yeah, right? Never, had, never missed an episode. You had the two kid teams doing the little challenges and puzzles and everything. And, you know, the giant talking head of Olmec. Olmec. And Kirk gave... Fogg was the host. Yes, Kirk Fogg. And yeah. you have to run away from the temple guards and get, like, all the... The pendants, the shrine of the yeah. silver monkey. Which no kid could successfully put together. There was very... I didn't like, see that. I, I wonder what the success rate was on that show, because it didn't seem like there was like, a lot. Well, it's because that was that damn silver monkey in the shrine. Like, nobody could put that thing together to save their life. Like, was it that hard? Or maybe it was probably like you're on TV with the, with the, with yeah. the, the clock. The lights are on you. You're nervous. Like, a temple guard's about to come up and feel you up, like, molesting you. Look, those temple guards were very handsy. Ew. I'm just, I know. Ew. I, I'm with you. I agree. Like, they, they should really. I, was gonna say, I don't know where they recruited these temple guards, but, like, they should have checked to make sure they didn't have a record. That's all I'm saying. Maybe one of them was Jared. Anyway. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, me. Yeah. Oh, oh me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's totally okay. Um, All right. So what's ha- okay. so anyway? So, I have no idea what's happening with so Legends of the Hidden Temple. They, so. It's a movie. It's a movie. Now it's a weird thing because it's by Nickelodeon movies. Okay, it makes sense. And I'll tell you that actually, Kurt Fogg is in it. Good, good move. All right. Because the whole con- and this is the trailer, so you know the whole conceit is. They're at some sort of like park museum thing or temple monument, and he's hosting the show. Like, hi, I'm Kurt Fogg, and welcome to like you know this thing. And these kids, like, wait, he like runs the museum exhibit. He or? runs something, yeah. And okay. Then, and but like one of like this little boy's like, oh, but it's real. The legends are real. And then of course, a little bit of an older girl's like, no, you're a yeah. stupid little brother. All the kids must hate that kid. Yeah, and then they end up. You know, falling through this like little uh, trap door and end up in the temple, and all this stuff is there. And actually, like Pete, like the pendant, the shrine, the silver monkey. By the way, looks like the exact same prop from the show, like in 1994 or whatever it was. They must, they, must, they must have gotten it like out of the uh, studio lot storage. But it's weird because I'm like, I'm looking at this, like oh, that's interesting. But so it's, who is this for? Because it's very obviously geared towards a current Nickelodeon generation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that show is running right now or not, but obviously. It's meant as nostalgia for right. you and me, sure, and our friends and our our peer group. But the movie's for children, right? But like, not like little. I mean, it's like eight to twelve year olds, maybe. So it's it's meant to be nostalgia for thirty year olds, but it's only meant to be seen by eight to twelve year olds. Well, but I think the idea is that you make it appeal to the kids because like two things need to happen to sell a kids movie. Like you have to get the kids excited about it, but you still have to get the parents to be willing to go. And right. so the kids get excited about it. They say to their parents, hey, take me to this stupid kids movie. And the dad's like, oh, God, that sounds terrible. It's Legends of the Hidden Temple. Oh, shit. Yeah, let's go. You know, purple yeah. parrots, blue barracudas. Let's get in the car. But here's the thing, though. Like, okay, your brothers have kids that are in age ranges 
Like the, the oldest one's what, 14? Something like that, yeah. And it goes like down. I don't really know their ages. I with, See, with, it's fine. With, I don't know yeah, their ages. With, with my with my nieces and nephews, I do age ranges. Yeah. It's like, oh, how old's your oldest uh, niece? Eh, 12 to 16. <laughs> Isn't she 14? Yeah, it's somewhere in there. It's yeah. Mar- I, but I leave myself a margin for error. Okay. But anyway, you'd feel like those are the kids, and they're, you know, 8, 10, 12, and they're scattered about. Um, those are the kids that Nickelodeon want to see this movie. But your brother's just turned 40. That's right. Happy birthday to one of you. One of them. Why not the other one? Well, they have to figure it out the monks themselves. <laughs> so you, How this? You're going to make them divide? Because like, you understand, their whole childhood was getting one gift on their birthday and them having to share it. Like, you're making them share a happy birthday? It's not my fault they decided to share a single womb. Okay? <laughs> Clearly, that was their fault at a cellular level. <laughs> Plan ahead. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, damn. Well, anyway, if only, if only one of them listens to the show, then it's okay. All right. Aha. Yeah, that's true. All okay. right. Um, anyway, it seems like they didn't watch Legends of the Hidden Temple. They're 40. They're, they were too old for Legends of the Hidden Temple. Mm-hmm. So it's a weird thing. I don't, well, it, it, I'll, it's, I'll it's admit, an interesting concept, but I just don't know who it's for. I'll admit that. The timing seems a little off because the people who watch Legends of the Hidden Temple would, are probably ages 28 to 32 right now. Yeah. And so if they have kids, those kids are toddlers five-year-olds like not quite old enough to be the demographic for this movie so if anything the problem with this movie is it should have come out like five years from now or they made mistakes in college anyway that's true too but (laughs) what what i'm saying is like there aren't like you know the 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 timing just isn't quite right maybe a few years from now like people in our generation have eight-year-old ten-year-old kids i feel yeah because it's like you know i i I, i'm like oh look that's pretty interesting like oh look they're 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 bringing it back but I'm not going to see it because it's obviously a kids movie. But the kids would have, you know, have no. It, it needs to be something new to them, you know. Well, I'm not above kidnapping one of my nephews or nieces. Okay, that's the show, so folks. That, well, just, I want to, I want to splice that. Yeah, right. Just, just, <laughs> just completely out of context. Okay. To be like, look, I want to go see this movie. But you want to be a with creep, me. and she'll be like, you know, what the hell is Legends of the Hidden Temple? Like, it came out, you know five years before I was born, I'll be like, yeah. shut up and watch the damn movie so that I'm not creepy by watching this movie by myself. Like, Sit still and watch the movie. I don't want the cops called. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so... All right, and then uh, last thing I have from San Diego Comic-Con, the, the big news, Ryan. Ryan, are you excited for Star Trek Discovery? That's what it's called. Oh, yes, Star Trek Discovery, of right. course. Ryan, so you would say, dude, bring on STD. <laughs> I read about this. That was the original hashtag. I even have it in my notes here. You know, hashtag STD. Yeah. Like, that's embarrassing. You want STD merch. You want, like, STD paraphernalia. That's right. You're going to go to the doctor and be like, dude, STD. Did you see it? And then they'll be like, "Um, yes, sir. Unfortunately. (laughs) Lots of it. It's just everything. Yeah. Yeah. that yeah, that, that was seems weird. That wasn't too smart. So I mean, you, you saw the trailer. This is like one of the few things that you did see. I mean, it was a, a trailer. Well, well, not not, not yeah. trailer. It was, it was just a little teaser of what's to come. Basically, it showed a uh, a starship in a hollowed out asteroid taking off. Yeah. And um, my first impression was, it, it, it looked like Star Trek: The Next Generation, but in a bad way, in terms of. It looks like this was made in 1994 or 1992. The budget wasn't quite what you wanted it to be. It, it, it and I don't know, maybe it's a choice. 
it's like they don't want it to look like the movie. They want it to create like a TV show. Well, it's never going to look like Star Trek Beyond just because they're not going to put the same money in it. Well, no, yeah, but right. I mean, didn't it? It, it kind of. Yeah, but yeah, you it looked throwbacky. But like, I can tell if it was on purpose. Well, they also might not be putting a lot of money into a trailer because it's just a trailer. Also, it's weird because the TV show is not even going to be on TV. It's only going to be on the damn streaming service, which you seem to not mind. I mind. Well, I mean, I mind, but I'm going to watch it anyway. And I'm going to get that damn password, federal laws or not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, I guess it's nice to see what the ships look like. But let me just say this. Uh-huh. If you're going to tell us about the show, tell us about the show. Stop pussyfooting around, all right? I, I don't want it. Like, if all you're going to do is just show me this is what the ship looks like, all right, we're not going to hear anything from us for three months. No. Like, either give us details about the show or shut up. What do you think? Of- I'm so frustrated with this. Here's what the ship looks like. All right, this is all we're going to show you. What you, what'd you. What was your thoughts on the ship? On the, uh, what was it? On, on the, uh, so, 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 blah, blah. It's called the Discovery. Yes, the Discovery. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Like, I don't want to have to have a conversation about just, like, the little ship. Like, I, wanted, like, I want to know more details about the show. But, I mean. Maybe I should get Robert Burnett on the show. It then. looked kind of old. It se- it seemed like an older ship, so maybe like right, the show it? will be set like it was very triangular. Next generation. You had the saucer component, but then the body was just like a triangle. Yeah, kind of a little small. It, it didn't compact so, because that those sorts of designs make you think of early in time Federation, like TOS and before, kind of what Enterprise is, mm-hmm. not like slick new rounded like TNG. Right, right, and th- those those variations. So, and also, I kind of thought it had elements of almost like a Klingon. Um, we were discussing this already. Uh, bird of prey. Bird, bird of prey. You sure it's not the warbird? No, the Romulan warbird. But how lazy is that? A bird of prey and a warbird. <laughs> like they just, you know, different cultures, but they use a similar. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, well, we'll see how it is. I mean, yeah. there's no, no other information. It was just that uh, quick little one minute uh, teaser. Yeah. Um, but it's coming out like in five months, so we'll know soon enough. Oh, the fever for STD <laughs> is going to be like super like, high, bro. It's burning. Like a burning sensation. Oh, my God. You're going to be, like, itching for STD. Okay? You're going to discharge a lot of money <laughs> to CBS All Access. You're just going to pull that money out of your wallet. All right. Discharge. I don't know what you're talking about. I just use All right. synonyms yeah, for paying money. A, yeah, that's a that's a common verb to use oh, yeah, when talking dude. about money. Oh, yeah. It's just, just a, charging from the ATM. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Speaking of Star Trek. It's a good thing your kid, your nieces are in California. That's right. Um, speaking of Star Trek, all right. Now, Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. We, now, we, you were kind of hesitant to you know see this. You weren't really, because it was directed by the gentleman who did Fast and Furious, and you were calling it Star Trek Fast and Furious. Yeah. So, you know, and, and oh, by the way, we did not discuss this after leaving the movie. Yes. Uh, we we're like, we, we're, we're going to we, save this. Yeah. We, 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 neither of us know anything about what we think of this movie because we're saving it all for the podcast to do this movie review. I almost think we should do this. Like, like on the count of three, uh-huh. we should just say either good movie or bad movie. And then we'll like know where we stand right away. Okay, but yes, that's okay. Is, right. it, is that like too melodramatic? I think it might be fun. No, no, that's fine. I guess obviously there's no nuance in terms of like if you do like A, B, C, D, E, F. Well, I no, mean, oh, A, B, C, D, E, F. No, no, no shades of gray here. Okay. We're Siskel and Eberting this. Okay, all right. All right, ready? ready. One, One, two, three. Good, Good movie. All right. Yeah. See, yeah, that, and I was surprised because I I'm, 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 I came in with every reason to not like this movie. You, I mean, you, you actually almost, you didn't want to see it. Yeah, I was not coming in with an open mind. You had to drag me to see this because yeah. the previews made it look like it was just going to be Fast and the Furious in space. Yeah, and again, it's directed by the guy. Right, <laughs> Fast, Fast and Furious, Furious guy. Yeah, and, Justin, uh, Justin you know, Lin. I've never liked 
you know, I've never liked that kind of Star Trek where it's just a bunch of action. Like there's plenty of stuff that do that. What I like about Star Trek is always the ethical discussions and the broader themes and the yeah. allegories. Political science. Political actual... science. That's the stuff I like. And yeah. I get nobody else likes that, but that's well, what and, I And dig. that's why, you know, you like TNG. That's why we know like Elisa yeah. likes TNG. All of our friends like TNG. Right. It's just that, that different sort of storyline you want. Right. Just like a different part of your brain wants and it. And so I had every reason to hate this movie, mm-hmm. but it was a good movie. I, I, I have to admit, they did a great job. It was visually beautiful Mm -hmm. and if if i was to credit anybody for like the what i like most about the movie it would be simon pegg because that movie was so well written like plenty of great Mm one-liners a great story i was sucked into it there was still enough there was enough trek homages to make me happy Mm -hmm. there was some great ethical discussions and broader themes and allegories like simon pegg good for you nice job writing so 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 here's the thing so one Definitely a lot less actiony than I thought going in, based on trailers. Yeah. Than previous. Yeah. I would say maybe. What do you think? Maybe like th- five or less action sequences. That's right, and it took them a, a good like twenty five minutes to get to the first action sequence. Really. Oh yeah, no, no. It's it, it's it started out very compelling, and I wish they really would have continued that thread a little bit more. Yeah, I like that where was, they were going with that. That's that was the thing in terms, of, and we're not gonna get too spoilery or anything here because obviously this is only opening weekend. But just in case I slip up or anything, you know, if you don't want to hear a spoiler, then, you know, know, use the 15 second button liberally. Yeah. Just Um, be cool here, man. Come on. No, I am. But, you know, they they explore some interesting things about Kirk and, you know, what happens to like your psyche on a five year voyage or in the middle of a five year voyage. Right, and there was a great little nod to that. How you know it was getting a little uh, episodic. Yeah, that (laughs) That was was, a funny line. That was funny. But you know, it's a very interesting, like, compelling thing of oh yeah. This guy probably would have issues all of a sudden appearing. And the interesting thing of like, okay, he's starting. He's now basically uh, he's lived past his dad that died in the first in the in the reboot yeah. to basically save him. And you know, as the the whole universe thing got uh, the timelines got switched up. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish th- I wish he would have explored that more. But you know, yeah, not not a lot of action. Yeah. Um, I thought the uh, the new character uh, Jayla that helps them out later on. Yeah. She was very interesting. That, that actress, actually, I, now I know where she, I looked her up. She was in uh, Kingsman. She played Samuel L. Jackson's uh, like sidekick henchman, oh, that girl, the one yes. with, the, with the knives for the feet. Oh, that was going to drive me crazy. No, it was a it was a standout performance. I think she's got a lot of movies ahead of her. Oh yeah, re- really good. Yeah, really cool stuff. Um, the bad guy, he was interesting. I wish we explored more of him. Yeah, we got to know some stuff, but then I I because I, I did I took some notes. Um, I did also find it funny. There was not one mention of the words Prime Directive. Oh, yeah. No, they've abandoned that. I mean, but, like, but sometimes... We're messing with cultures left and right now. Brand I mean, new, I think new, like, new World Order in Star Trek. First movie, they may have said it like a few times. Second movie, I think they said it one time. This movie, they just... It, it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, you know, yeah, the, uh, the bad guy, I would have... It was kind of blank how he acquired this army yeah and just sort of all these th- it, really he should have been uh, administering his plan without the thing he was looking for without the macguffin yeah the macguffin is almost useless he had the ability to just yeah it, it, the way it was done given what he had yeah he, man I, I really liked like the gymnastics you're doing right now to avoid spoilers <laughs> well yeah um, but I, i'm just saying it's like he could have done this yeah. already like yeah. what was stopping him yeah Th- this thingy that also, it was very interestingly, 
uh, introduced and that that opening sequence. That, that was funny. Yeah, it was good. That was, you weren't you didn't see it coming, sort of thing. Yeah, and it was good. Like it, it, the, sh- the the movie had it, it had a, just enough sense of humor. Mm-hmm. It didn't take itself. It took itself seriously, but not too seriously. Yep. It had great writing. I mean. Chris Pine can't act to save his life, but like it's okay. I mean, because you know it's William Shatner as Kirk, so like a performance where you can't act almost kind of makes sense, like for the character. Hmm. But well, it's it's interesting because I feel like I can see Simon Pegg aging in the role. Mm-hmm. I kind of see Carl Urban as a middle aged man in it. Yeah. Um, the problem seems to be with Chris Pine and Zach Quinto. They seem to be trapped in a little thing of like, <laughs> you almost like can't tell how old they are because obviously the whole thing is like they're, 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 they're grizzled. It's been a while. It's only been three years, I guess, since the opening. Yeah. The first movie, but obviously a lot's happened. Yeah. And you know, that, that could age you. I know that from personal experience, like you can just be aged by just going through shit. Right. Um, but that was like the weird thing. They had a nice homage to Leonard Nimoy that you know unfortunately passed away. And Anton Yelchin. And Anton. Well, I also I, I mean inside the. Oh, in the movie. In the movie. Oh, okay. Anton Yelchin. Yeah, that wasn't touched in the movie. Yeah. Because obviously that was because he was still alive. In the that movie. was finished. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, the Leonard Nimoy thing, and I heard people like you. You heard audience members like audibly like react to what they did with it. Yeah, like gasp and just yeah. sort of like oh, and everything. And yeah. you're actually, you actually, you kind of actually went. There's one thing they did. I'm like, oh wow, they actually like it tugged at me. Yeah. Um. But the one thing that was interesting, and I'm, I feel like I'm talking a lot. Do you no, want to no, it? it's good. No, I, I mean, uh, go for it. You got well, notes. Y- 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 you, you never know, take notes. This is great. No, no it's <laughs> movies, man. You know, music yeah. business, is music business. Done. Yeah, but your know, movies. Yeah. Top the top forty has, has proven that this industry is dying. <laughs> People listening to things is going to be a thing of the past. No one's going to listen to things anymore. Well, here, just, they're just going to watch. That's things. the thing, though, is that music. I mean, because regardless of what I said in the first segment about what's on top forty radio, I submit to you, music now is could very well be better than it's ever been. There's so much great music out there, but most of it's being done by indie artists. I think that's probably said a few times a decade, every single decade. Maybe, but like someone said that about Elvis, like someone said about you know the Beatles, the Rolling but, Stones. But I'm I'm just saying there's so much great music out there that's pretty much being virtually ignored by top forty. Radio. I think Vietnam era music is probably the best music. If you, if you want to look at it objectively, the it's the the saturation of like oh my god songwriting yeah. and like themes of songs dealing with these huge issues of the day. You can't beat the '60s and early '70s. So. Anyway, um, I was going to say, while the big thing in the news, like the last few weeks, was the whole, you know, George Takei and, you know, Simon Pegg saying Sulu is gay. Yeah. And then sort of Takei saying, well, wait, no, I didn't play him that way. Or that's not, there's like all these other things. On this. So oh, they're just like sort of social commentary, political commentary. Yeah, they're, they're trying to do like a little homage to George Takei. And then and George Takei was he, like, wait, I wasn't like, just because I'm yeah. gay doesn't mean the character I'm playing was gay. He took it, he, he, he interpreted it one way. And obviously, you know, hey, people feel how they feel. That's fine. I, there wasn't much to it in the film. Yeah. It was very quick. Right. So I don't know. If that was always the case, or maybe that's just the way it should be. It's just kind of like, oh, don't harp on it. It's just, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it's the 24th century. I imagine they're going to be super okay with that's, that by then. And, and that's true. And that's funny because, like, Doctor Who, we love Doctor Who. No one gives a crap about a lot of that stuff, just culturally. Yeah. And in, in England, in that show, there's so much, like, interspecies relationships. <laughs> there's an interspecies homosexual relationship, and no one gives a crap. It's just like, oh, yeah, who cares? Yeah. 
Well, it's the way it's we're the moving way on. It should be. Yeah. So, so that's true. So you see, that, that's it. Um, I did think it was interesting how the uh, that end scene and the plan um, and how uh, what's used by uh, our heroes was the. Tr- you know what? I can't go around anymore. Skip ahead 30 seconds. Oh, my God. Oh, so, spoiler alert? Spoiler alert. Skip ahead 30 seconds, all right? Okay. The Beastie Boys song that was in the trailer yeah. and in the in the music for the first movie, then they play it, and it's, like, weird because it's also... It's it's also it's like the soundtrack of the thing. So, it's, like, the, the it's diegetic to the scene, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, I thought it was cool. That was a great sequence. I, I just, uh, I, I would have, I, I, okay, sabotage, because they're sabotaging. But I feel like, I don't know, use a better song. Because it starts off too, it's like, oh yeah, we need something hard. It's like, it's like, it starts off too slow for it. I don't know. Oh, it was cool. I would have preferred Dude, maybe, I would have preferred maybe like Behemoth or Metallica or something satanic. I don't you, know. You get, you get, you're going to get nowhere hating on the Beastie Boys, brother. Those guys are visionaries. All right. Actually, no, are we no, good? You got no, you got your notes through. You're not, oh, we're not. We've already gone like forty minutes into this segment. You're not going to get really? me yelling at you about Beastie Boys. Yes. Oh. Um. What else? What, what, do you have any more thoughts? I've been doing all the talking. Well, you haven't said anything. Well, I mean, like, why haven't you said anything? I've said just a hurry lot. up and say something. I mean, why aren't you talking, dude? I'm totally talking because you keep stop you, starting and starting. Stop. Starting. Okay, go ahead. I'm the, joking. Look, the only thing that that other, the only thing, other thing that came to mind about the movie was actually the trailers. And the ones that, you know, the things that came before the movie. And um, I was just kind of upset by them because it was like there was only one trailer in that in in all the trailers before Star Trek that was Mm -hmm. actually not a sequel adaptation or remake. You know, they're bringing back another Jason Bourne movie. It's another Star Wars movie. They're bringing back Triple X because what? Hollywood got everyone's letters about how we needed more Triple X. Xander Cage, the man who skis on ground and motorcycles on oceans so weird like why can't you just use means of conveyance for the things that they were intended xander i i i had no idea that was even his name yeah xander cage yeah i I had no idea either i I just thought he was triple x yeah let me vin diesel yeah i'm not sure if he's in really good shape or really bad shape you can tell he's an old guy that was in shape like i don't yeah i don't know what to do because like his, it, it, it's the muscle tone is cutting and breaking down and it's becoming rounder. Right. But like when he's got his shirt off, like there it's, he's built there. Like, I don't know what to do with Vin Diesel. Like, is he fit or not fit? Like, it's, like the world needs to come to a conclusion on this one. Whatever. He's just Groot. He is just Groot. And a, and a great Groot he is. Um, a great Groot he is. Great, uh, Vin Diesel, underrated cartoon voice actor. He was Groot. Guardians of the Galaxy. Awesome. Cartoon? Well, a, a voiceover. Yeah. Iron Giant, probably one of the best voiceover performances. Never seen that front to back. Really? Really. Go watch Iron Giant. It's good. All right. Our thanks to Julia Pernicone. My thanks oh, to that's you, it? Dave. Dave, we've talked for like 40 minutes about movies. I know. We've talked for episodes on music business. And it's a music business podcast. Oh. Okay. Well, I think maybe now I know where to go with the solo episode if I do it. That could be fun. Yeah. Our thanks to Julia Pernicone. Yep. My thanks to you, Dave. Thank you, buddy. And we'll see you all next week on the Break the Business Podcast. Live long and prosper. Prosper.